Now, last week, as we talked about conversion, even when Peter comes out and begins to proclaim the good news of the gospel, repent, he talks about believing, he talks about receiving the word, and then we talked about the manifestations of those that were converted, how they started to move toward this committed life. And as a result, uh, they found themselves uh, really uh, paying attention to the apostles' teaching and doctrine, if you will, the Word of God. Uh, we talked about their prayer life. We talked about them living in community, uh, sharing the good news with others. Today, we're going to center up and center up just on this whole community connection piece. Now, Acts chapter 2 is kind of where we landed last week. I'll take verse 42, kind of launch from there, and uh, join me. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. It was uh, interesting last week. A lady came up to me and said, that word uh, fellowship, you used some word. What was it? And I said, it was the word koinonia. Koinonia. Now, I'll get there, but I want you to hear this. When we become believers in Christ and we repent of our sin and place our faith and allegiance in Jesus... The scripture tells us that we become members of the body of Christ, which is the church. The word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, ekklesia. Now, the word ekklesia or the word church means those who belong to the Lord. So when I repented and placed my faith in Jesus, I became a member of the church and the body of Jesus Christ. Now, wherever I go, the church is always there. So when we refer to the church, we're not talking about a, uh, an address or a brick-and-stick facility. We're talking about belonging to the Lord. Now, as a result of belonging to the Lord and being a member of the ecclesia, God now calls me to be a part of koinonia and fellowship. It says here in Acts 2 that they were devoting themselves to the Word, the teaching, and to fellowship. Now, I want to break down this word fellowship, koinonia, so that you understand it and so that you get it. So, when we talk about fellowship, koinonia, we're talking about a group of people that do life together with a common mission. Now, specifically, as we talk about fellowship and koinonia under the umbrella of the leadership and lordship of Christ, the common mission that God has called us to it's to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as, us, as ourself. But the mission he gave us in Matthew 28 was to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the mission that God has placed us all on, it's all about loving him, knowing him, worshiping him. It's about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, which implies I have to love me if I'm going to love someone else, I don't want to hate me. I can't love anybody else. And then it implies that I'm going to be a part of making disciples. And so when we talk about uh, this common mission that a group of people share, that's what we're talking about under koinonia. Here, here's, here's another piece of it. Uh, it's a group of people who share a kindred relationship with one another. So here's what we believe. We believe every person that belongs to the body of Christ belongs to every other person that belongs to the body of Christ. And so you'll see a variety of skin colors that come in here. Why is that? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Racism is not a skin issue. It is a sin issue. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior and God the Father is our Daddy. So we're all in this thing together. 
if we've been redeemed, meaning converted, meaning we've repented and placed our faith and trust in Jesus. And so it's this group of people that come together and share this kindred relationship with one another. What's the kindredness that we have uh, in this fellowship? If we're children of God, we have the Holy Spirit now living inside of us. And so, whoever I meet, whether it's Steve or whether it's Aquarius or whether it's Dallas or or whoever it is, Scott, whoever we meet, we go, we're in this thing together because we've got the same daddy. So, we got the same daddy. So, Koinonia Fellowship is a group of people that come together. We've got this shared mission. We've got this kindred spirit. And then we encourage one another. Now, Hebrews chapter 10 is a passage that screams koinonia. It screams fellowship. And there's, uh, there's these let us statements mentioned in Hebrews 10. I'll pick it up in verse 24. But it screams, get together and do life together under the lordship of Jesus. It says, let us consider how we can stimulate one another to loving good deeds. As we do life together, some of us can become tired and weary and stale and stagnant. As we do life in proper fellowship, quinonia, oftentimes when a person's down a little bit, we, we can help stimulate, motivate, agitate that person. Hey, stay with it. Don't throw the towel in. Don't quit. So he tells us in Hebrews 10, let us consider how we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Agape but as well as good deeds. We don't do good deeds to get saved. We do good deeds because we're saved. And he's like, you're not working yourself to gain salvation. You're working for the the kingdom now because you've got salvation. You can't work for it. You've got it. Now, 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 let my light shine in your world. So when we get together, part of what we're doing is to stimulate one another to loving good deeds. Now, he also tells us, let us not forsake assembling together as some are in the habit of doing, which means a lot of people have concluded, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I heard that argument, and we hit it last week. But I am one member of the body of Christ, and I cannot do life in isolation. Living in community where all members of the body come together and work together, we can create this beautiful sound. I'm sitting there this morning watching, going, Rager, he's plugged in. Nick, he's plugged in. Josh is plugged in. Casey's all plugged in. We've got people on the keys. Microphones are plugged in. And I'm sitting there watching, going, the reason that's working is they're all plugged in and they're working together in community. So, so we can make a beautiful sound when we come together in community. He says, don't neglect it. No, don't, no, don't neglect it. So, I, I got some stuff I'll, I'll, I'll share with you in a little bit about that. But that was huge early on in my journey. And then he said, let us consider how we can encourage one another. Let's encourage. We're going to get tired. We're going to get knocked down at times. So, so, listen to this. So, we here at the Cross Loganville, our vision is to live this out. We are a Bible-based community of intimate followers of Jesus Christ. We care about handling the text within the context of being healthy when it comes to expository teaching with you. 
expository teaching is where you go through the text and you handle the text properly. A lot of churches do what we call cut and paste and a la carte scripture. They'll take a verse out of John, and they'll take a verse out of Romans, and they'll take a verse out of Leviticus or whatever, and they'll bring it together to try to build an argument. We don't cut and paste. We don't a la carte scripture, meaning this ain't Morrison's or whatever is available today. That was a restaurant in my day. I'm just dating myself. Are there any Morrison's around anymore? All right, Golden Corral, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of those places, you, you, you can a la carte, right? You can kind of go through and get what you want and just keep on going about your business. We don't a la carte scripture. We handle it in the context. So we, we desire to be a Bible-based community of intimate followers. Here's something we believe. We believe, based on Ephesians chapter 4, that God calls it the apest, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. But we believe shepherds and teachers, pastors and teachers, are to equip the saints for the work of the service. That's what he says. So we want to be a Bible-based community that when we stand here, whether it's me, Rick, Nick, whoever it is, we want to make sure that we're equipping God's people to go out and do the works of the service. So that's who we are. Now, there's five things that we kind of hit there. We want you, when you come here, to be able to encounter God through word and worship. So we believe that we grow vertically and horizontally when we encounter God in word and worship. So we worship God in spirit and in truth. We worship him in song and in scripture and in fellowship with other people. So when we get together, that's what we're trying to do here on Sunday. Uh, When you get in a small group, that's what we want to see happen. Here's the second thing. We believe that God has called us to expand the kingdom of God through service and ministry. We believe that doing outreaches, doing back-to-school events, fall fest, all these kind of things, God goes, I want you to expand to outsiders, those that don't know me. As a result of that, we want to engage the lost through outreach. We want to engage people that, as I said a few weeks ago, maybe they're A's, they're apathetic toward God. Maybe they're B's, they're becoming interested, but they haven't reached that C place where they confess Christ or a D where they're developing as a disciple or an E where they're able to equip others. We believe that God has called us to be salt and light in this world. And so God goes, the church has got to leave the building and be intentional about outreach. So I was picking on Jesse in the first service that uh, yesterday they were at the gym. And so they come back from the gym, and Jesse's cutting grass, and my buddy Ash, who's staying with us, we were talking. I thought this was cool. So uh, Ash is like, uh, yeah, we're at the gym. Dude, it was a trip there today. And I'm like, what made it a trip? Well, we did our workout and all this stuff. But there was a guy probably in his early 40s that Jesse started talking to. Dude's tatted up big time. I'm like, really? This dude had all these tats on him, and he had this one tat on his back of Lucifer, and he had a tat of the cross, and he had a a tat maybe of the crown of some Jesus kind of stuff, and Jesse's like, you know, basically, what do these tats represent? Something along that line. He's like, well, the tat of Lucifer on my back is Satan's always on your back, man. You got to, you got to kick him off, basically. And I'm like, uh, and so Ash is like, he's dialoguing with this guy about these tats or whatever's going on. And Jesse basically looks at the guy and says, uh, where do you go to church? I don't go to church. I got pissed off at church years ago. I don't go to church. He goes, really? You don't go to church? Why are you mad at church or whatever? I mean, wh- why don't you go? Well, there's some things that happened with my wife. I mean, her dad got sick and this happened with another family member. And I, I, I don't know, man. Where's God in the middle of all this? 
He's like, really? He's like, yeah, and and you you go to church and all they want is your money and stinking pastors. They make 10 times more than everybody else. And he's talking to a pastor's kid. This is great. (laughs) And so Ash is like, man, this dude is starting to get pretty heated up. He said, but Jesse was like, so they make 10 times more than everybody else and whatever. He's like, well, I'm going to call you out on that one because my dad's a pastor and I can guarantee you we give, a lot, uh, give away a lot more than uh, we take for ourselves and da-da-da-da-da. He starts breaking it down. But Ash goes, what was so cool? He said, it got kind of hostile. The guy was dropping F-bombs and GDs and everything else. And Jesse's nodding and Ash is like, ah, I'm going to get away from this one. He said, but Jesse stayed there and engaged with this dude because he knew he was lost. And I was like, that's cool. Not everybody has got that initiator personality, but we believe as a body of believers that God has called us to engage with that which was lost. And lost people don't use a lot of found terminology at times. Lost people will use lostness language at times. And doing so much ministry in the locker room and and being out and about, we believe that's what God has called us to. We want to encounter God here. We want to expand his kingdom. We want to engage the lost. Here's two other things. And I want you to hear uh, some of these uh, specific tracks that we've got to offer for you. But we believe that God has called us to exhort the believer through discipleship. We believe that a young C that just gets converted needs a D or an E to put their arm around them so that they can life coach them and disciple them because Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts, people that walk aisles and get in tanks of water. He said, go and make disciples. And so we believe, this, this, this is cool right here, we believe that when we get saved and start to walk with Jesus, we believe that God is calling us then to go out and reproduce what's been produced in us by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we, we, we really believe that. And, 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 and so, years ago, when Barb and I moved back to Georgia, uh, October 11th, 1993, we moved on Rachel's first birthday, we felt with the ministry that we were with, God was saying, infiltrate the baseball world. I'm like, well, I, we don't know how to do this. But we knew that he was calling us to infiltrate that world of people. There were two guys I knew in Atlanta. I want you to get this. Two guys. I knew Brett Butler that had played for the Braves who was with the Dodgers. I knew Greg McMichael. We had spent time together. Greg was a reliever with the Braves. So I contacted these guys, got their phone numbers. This is BC cell days, okay? You hear me? There ain't no cell phones. ain't no pagers. We didn't have fax machines we could communicate with. Got their home number, reached out, set up a time, started meeting with them. Barb's going to a Bible study. And so Barb's going to this Bible study, and uh, while she's there, Pendleton's wife was there, and she said to Barb, do you think your husband would be open to talking to my husband? Barb goes, sure. So again, I contact Terry, start meeting with Terry during the strike of 1994 and 95. Terry Pendleton in my backyard prayed to surrender his life to Christ. So now we've got three dudes that are meeting in the back of a barbecue joint, starting to do life together. Then Smoltz gets saved. Then Foxworthy surrenders to Christ. Then Ernie Johnson, Mac Powell, all these dudes start coming in. We've got football guys, baseball guys, and all this. So we're meeting in the back of a barbecue joint. Now, I I don't have a clue on what I'm doing. I, I, I mean, really, I just felt like the Lord said, go 
and share the gospel with all people, engage people. Then I started realizing some of these guys are C's and some of them are D's. I got to develop the D's to become E's because they need to equip other people. Because based on 2 Timothy, Paul wrote, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful people who will go out and, and, and trust it to other faithful people. So this room starts filling up with Lester Archambault and John Burrow and all these football guys, Todd Peterson and Jay Feely and Foxworthy and all of them. So, so I'm looking at them and I go in one day and I had printed out this thing of 2 Timothy 2 and I said, here, here, here's the deal, guys. God's called us to be about exhorting the believer in discipleship and reproducing. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I mean, David Pollack came in there, all these guys, Chris Tomlin, they're sitting around. I said, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're going to take up a chair in this room, the only way you can stay here is you have to commit to reproducing what Christ is doing in you. And every one of them signed this commitment thing. Smoltz goes out and starts a Christian school. Paul Bird, he's taking the gospel all over. Ernie Johnson just released a book. He speaks all over. Foxworthy goes down to the Atlanta mission every week. John Burra is with Global X with North Point, and he's taking the gospel all over the world right now. Spoke at our men's uh, football, high school football event here recently. And to a man, every one of those guys said, I will be about reproducing. So we want to see you discipled because we believe that God is desiring to create a flowing stream and not a stagnant pond and you just don't sit and soak you become a conduit where the spirit of God can flow through you so it can happen over here body plex when you're trying to get a little swole on dog (laughs) share the gospel here's another one we want to edify the body through fellowship so there's two tracks that we really push heavy here we call it cross training and cross links. Cross training are specific tracks. You'll hear about them. And then cross link is where we link together with the body of Christ to have authentic koinonia. There's a lot of cool things happening. Kara's going to tell you about some of the things that are available with cross student ministries. Check it out. Hi, my name is Kara Blomquist. Me and my husband Rick are the youth pastors at CSM, that's Cross Student Ministries. It's for grades 7 through 12. We meet Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. in the Student Center, and we are so excited to share with you this morning our three values. The first is belonging. We want CSM to be a place where you feel like you belong, where you know you have a place. No matter where you're from, no matter where you've grown up, no matter what your thoughts are of the Lord, we want you to know that you're welcome at CSM. The second is worship. We want, when you come to CSM, for your conversations, for your everyday life, for even singing songs to be as of worship to the Lord. That it it is something that we realize that our lives that we're living are to be worship unto Him. And that we understand that together as a community. And then third, growth. We don't want CSM to be a place where you can come and stay the same and stay in your old ways. We want it to be a place where you can grow and flourish in the gifts that the Lord's given you and you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. And you can get to a place, not where we ever arrive with the Lord, but where you know that you're walking alongside the Lord. So today we're so excited to ask you to come to this station 
to meet with us, introduce yourselves. Rick and I see students on Sundays all the time that will, you know, be talking to a bunch of students and say, oh, you know, I, I saw that student, I've never seen them here before. We want you all to know that you're welcome, that this is a place where you're invited to come. And I, I really do pray that guilt or fear of not being welcome or not being accepted would never keep you from coming here. We want CSM to be like a home, like a family to you guys. So what's really cool is this semester we have a lot of events coming up as well. We have a turkey bowl, we have Christmas parties. Um, we also have a young ladies ministry starting up this fall uh, that we're so excited about. So please come to this station this morning to meet with the youth leaders and introduce yourself so that we can get to know you more and um, do life with you all. Thank you. You've got a child that's not involved, be sure and go out to the uh, cafe after the service and uh, connect with them and get some information. Pastor talked about four cross-training tracks that we've got starting off here in the next few weeks. Uh, the first one is our dollars and cents financial class. I'll be leading that. Um, we're going to be starting September the 17th. Uh, what we do is we use biblical principles to develop a plan for you, for your household personally, to address debt and financial bondage. So that's what we do. Uh, if you've got those kind of issues, uh, credit card debt, anything that uh, you need help with, uh, this class is for you. Uh, I've had numerous couples and singles over the past five years as we've taught this class uh, to overcome debt and become financially free. I, I had one couple that had 12 credit cards, and within two and a half years, they had every one of them paid off. So this class is to, again, help you develop that plan to get you financially free. Our second class is our Foundations 101 class. I'm going to ask Steve Joyner who's going to be leading that. Steve, tell us a little bit about it. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, Foundations class is going to meet second and fourth Wednesdays. Our first one is just a little intro this coming Wednesday. Uh, starts at 7 o'clock up at Terra in the basement. Uh, Foundations, discipleship, what is that really about? The easiest way I know to explain it is, you know, walking through life, living life, outside relationship with God kind of comes natural for us. We kind of know what we want because it's what we want, the way I want it. And as long as everyone's doing what I want, then that's the way we live. But then we get to go, that's just messed up. That's not good. That's not, I'm not enjoying that. There's no peace. There's no joy. And then you meet Jesus Christ. You go, okay, I'm going to start walking for Christ. Here's how we do this. Let's say prayer. Okay, God, I'm praying. Coming to church, I'm going to come two, three, okay, four times this month I'm coming, God. But then reading God's word so he can speak to us. We get a Bible, we open it up, and we start reading, and we go, what did that just say? I have no clue. So then we go, well, we'll get a better version. We'll do the message. You read it, you go, well, I understand that, but now what am I supposed to do? So learning how to read the Bible, that's what we're going to talk about. And along with that, as we study First Peter, we're also going to learn how to walk every day with Christ in relationship with him. So come be a part. We're going to start it off this Wednesday. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Steve. Our third track is uh, our Love and Respect Marriage class. It's going to be kicking off in a couple of weeks. Uh, Chad Daniel, come tell us about that. Good morning. Yeah, my wife and I, Elaine, she, um, we do the Love and Respect Marriage class. We'll be starting September 10th, meeting up at Terra during the second service, so during this time frame. So we encourage you to go to the first service and then come up to 
our marriage class. You know, back in the early 90s, the government sponsored a study with one of the universities, I don't remember which, but they did this study, and the, what came out of this study was, hey, men and women are different. I think we all could have saved them a lot of money. I think Adam knew we were different from the beginning. So even Christ taught that did you not know that God created male and female? Or our society wants us to be the same. Well, guess what? No matter how much we struggle to be the same, we're not. We're very different. But God doesn't leave it there. We are different. But that doesn't mean that we can't work with each other, learn how to communicate with each other, and learn to love each other and respect each other. So that's what we do in our class. Um, it's a class where you can come and enrich your marriage. We do a lot of discussion, questions, and it's very informal. And we have a great time. So I encourage you to come and visit with us. Thank you, Chad. And our fourth track is uh, A Stronger Body. This is a class that helps develop uh, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Um, it's led by Dallas Hop. Dallas is actually 95 years old, but uh, so, so that tells you the class does work. Tell us about it, Dallas. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a tech guy, so I had to think about that from the last service, and I thought, I'm closer to 95 than I am to 5. That's not a good thing, right? But, you know, there's a quote out there, good health has no expiration date. And that's very true. It doesn't matter how old you are, we want to be healthy. But God wants to see us healthy. And the person standing here today is not the person you would have seen about nine years ago. And I think it's only fair to share that with you. And, you know, I was walking around with about 50 pounds more than I needed. And you go, well, how do you know that? And I said, because I wasn't consulting God. I wasn't asking God where I was supposed to be. I wasn't talking to God about what I ate. I wasn't talking to God about anything. I was doing what I wanted. And it hit me. And the medical profession looked at me and said, okay, we're fixing to start writing you prescriptions. All of this, you're 46 years old, you're going downhill. Well, I wasn't ready for that. So I decided that maybe there was a different way. And through diet and exercise, I was able to fix all that. So I thought, well, I want to share this with other people. So the idea of a stronger body, really, I want to call it a stronger church. Tim said, let's call it a stronger body. So the idea is that as we strengthen each individual out there, we strengthen the body of Christ. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. And yes, we do that through exercise. And, you know, we always talk about loving our neighbor here. And for me, the struggle that I had was I was trying to do it myself. And I, and I looked and I saw that scripture in the Bible. It says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But I didn't love myself. And that was the struggle I had. And until I could love myself like and see myself as Christ sees me, then I, I wasn't going to make it there. You know, Tim talks about a place of stable misery. That's where I was. But I wanted that uninterrupted fellowship with Christ. So it didn't happen overnight. It takes a while. And it takes you focusing. It takes commitment. But through time and effort, you become, you become healthy. You become all these things that you want to become that you've had a vision of. But, you know, it's kind of confusing when the Bible tells us to die into ourselves. And yet, we're supposed to love ourselves. And the connection for me was in Corinthians where it talks about... In the Old Testament, you know, the temple was a building. It was bricks. And there was a lot of information about how to erect it. But after Christ came, this body, the greatest gift God ever gave us, became the temple. And that's where God dwells on this earth. So it only makes sense that I'm a good steward with this body. And that's what my wife Sandy and I want to do. We want to love on you wherever you are. It doesn't matter. I want you to come out. Twelve weeks is what you're asking to commit. Now I'm going to hit you with the bomb here. We're going to meet on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know what? If you're committed and you want to make change, you'll be here. And we'll be here for you, and we'll help you every step of the way.
Thank you, Dallas. Well, those are our four classes, intentional classes that we're starting up. If you have an interest in any of those, uh, we'll be in the back corner of the worship center after the service this morning to give you more information and to sign you up. Last thing, you should have received a Crosslinks uh, form in your bulletin this morning. If you pull that out and take a look at it, um, on the back of it, it has all the different small group classes, that small groups that we have here at the church. There's something for everybody. Uh, had a gentleman this morning come up, he and his wife, they've been here three weeks, and he said, man, we've got to get connected. And uh, he took information and uh, said they would fill out a form and get it back. If you're not connected in a class and doing life with like-minded people, you need to be doing it. And uh, we'll be out there in the cafe this morning. Again, we'll have forms, we'll have information about all the groups. Sign up and get involved. You know, as I told you the back of the barbecue joint where I met with these athletes, I remember sitting there, like not knowing what I was doing, but knowing that what we were doing was biblical. And so when we started praying through the next chapter of our life, Scott, when I met with all you guys as a board, we sat down and they're interviewing people to be the next pastor here. And they looked at me and said, what's your plan? And I said, I don't have one. And they're like, really? I said, it's going to take some time in observation. It's going to take some time in evaluation. But what I promise you we will do is we will build a discipleship culture. What does it look like? I don't know. I've never pastored before. And praise God, I don't have to unlearn a bunch of that stuff anyway. So we came here with the desire to build a discipleship culture. And we were convinced that what worked in the back of a barbecue restaurant would work in a local church if people were authentically converted, truly committed, and began to get connected to one another. So we're looking at needs all the time. What can we do to minister to our people? We knew that one of the gaps that we had was from that high school graduate for about that four or five year period, what are we going to do? And we had toyed with different things and tried different things and didn't seem to be working. So Rick and I launched a thing last Wednesday. We had 15 in that age group show up Wednesday night, and we call it Quest, the search for meaning, purpose, and direction in our journey. We met on Wednesday night in the cafe. While we sat there, I was thinking, wow, People in this room right here from the ages of 18 to 22, 23, some of them have struggled big time with what they believe, why are they here, etc. Some of them sitting this in this room have had some personal failures already in their life. And I was sitting there thinking, Rick represents a story that has struggled. Rick didn't booze it up and go out and chase and do all this stuff, but Rick has always been kind of a clean cut guy for the most part, but he struggled. Why am I here? What do I really believe? So Rick was there talking. I'm sitting over here on a stool going, I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was almost 23 years old. I had a ton of failures in my life with sex, alcohol, whatever in my life, bad language, jacked up. And I knew that Rick and I could identify with our stories with every person there. There, there was a girl that came in there the other night. I'd never seen her before. She's been here at church now uh, three times on a Sunday morning. But she started opening up her heart. And she shared how she had some addiction in her life. And she'd grown up in a church, but she had drifted away. And she'd even been through rehab and all that. And I was so proud of that girl when she shared her story the other night. 
I'm like, look at her, first time coming in. She's starving for direction and foundation in her life. And I looked at her and said, we've got people in this church that can identify with you. I know other women that can identify with you. And one of the things that we really, really push here is that your story matters. There's, there's, there's bracelets, these little things in the back, and people wear them all the time. They, they, they sport them. Craig, you came to me because some guy doing prison ministry wanted 12 or 15 of them down at Monroe at the jail saying, their story matters. Give them one. And we believe that every story matters. We believe that every story can experience repentance and redemption and restoration. We believe that God wants to do something in your life. So when you come in here, you matter to God. Now, let me jog through it and close it, but I want you to hear it. I want you connected. I want you to be a part of Koinonia and fellowship. So why is being connected so important? Because God calls us to be in community with one another. I want to give you four things. When you start to really dive in to community small group and doing life in a circle with a few other people, here's what you'll find. Relationships are developed. Meaningful relationships are developed. There's so many people that have gotten connected over the last years because they said, hey, instead of the 80 minutes on Sunday morning at looking at the back of someone's head, we sit down and we start to do life one-on-one and people go, man, I've got more friends than I've ever had in my life now. I've got more connection points than I've ever had. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 Verse 10 says this, if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But people who fall when they're alone, they're in real trouble. We believe that the principle, even as we went through Ecclesiastes, that two, is, or two are stronger and a strand of three will not be broken. We believe that when you trip and you struggle and you fall, if you've got others to walk with you through life, you're going to be a lot stronger. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, help carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. The word help carry means to come alongside another one who's weighed down and say, carry the burden with him. Get underneath that load with him right now. So when we start to do life together, The beautiful thing that happens is relationships start to be developed. Meaningful, deep, purposeful relationships. God created you for the purpose of relationship, vertically and horizontally. Relate means to connect with in meaning or in thought. So when we connect with God and then we start to connect, relate with others, we start to grow. That's part of what God has called us to be about. Here's another thought. It encourages us to be authentic. God is calling us to be authentic and true. So, so you've got to ask the question, who can I share the real me with? Who am I willing to risk sharing the real me with? A, a lot of us have this uh, fallacy of thought process. If they really know me, they won't like me. If they really know me, they're going to treat me as an outcast. That's not true. The scripture says right here in Ecclesiastes 4, 7 and 8, Solomon says, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother or or anything. And there was no end to his toil. This too is meaningless. He's like, you know what? I saw a guy that did not have any authentic relationship with anybody. I saw a guy that was a workaholic. He was making all this money and had all this stuff, but he had nobody to share it with. He goes, that's foolish. It's meaningless. So, We do these face-down services here, 
And we do them about every three months on a Wednesday night, which is a phenomenal time of worship and, and just prayer. And we, we do communion for like an hour and 15 minutes. It's an incredible time of just blowing out, yeah? It's, it's a fun time. And so we get together and it's like, man, this is celebration. And the body comes together and we pray for one another. Well, May 31st, there was a couple that came in here. And they were a part of that, and they had been to church a few times, but they were a part of that worship service. And we'd set up a time, hey, we'll chat on the backside of, of Face Down tonight. And so when it was over with that night, we go out into the cafe, and this couple, uh, we sat down and we began to talk. And uh, where are you at in your walk? What's going on? And, I, and I'm telling you, I, I like both of them. And uh, really, I, I was so impressed with their transparency. Well, he, he prays to give his life to Christ. She prays to surrender her life to Christ. And they got married yesterday, and I did the wedding. And it was a beautiful thing, a glorious celebration. But while I'm talking to them that night, praying with them, that this girl and this guy both have battled some things in their past, some twists and turns and a lot of valleys, if you will. And she had disclosed some things about her own personal narrative, where she had had some time locked up or whatever. Well, one of the other guys in our church was waiting for me to sign some paperwork for him that night. And I saw him standing over, and I'm dealing with this couple, and I tell him to come here. He don't want to come over. So he rolls his paper up, sticks it in his pocket, and he's looking at me. And I said, come here. Well, this guy had spent four years in a gated community, incarcerated <laughs> for some things that had happened in his narrative. He, he had. And so he's looking at me, and he don't want to come, and... I'm like, come here. And I said, this is my buddy, and I call his name. I said, you need me to sign that paperwork. He's just looking at me like, come on, dude. Not it. And he takes out the paperwork, opens it up. It's from the court systems that he has to meet his probation, opens it up, and the girl sitting there was like, And her body language screamed, y'all love him? He's a part of your body? Y'all receive him? Y'all will receive me. I said, give me your paperwork. And I signed his paperwork. And I said, have you ever seen this before, speaking to the girl? And she goes, oh, yeah. I have to deal with it every month. What happened? Let's be authentic with where you've been. Now, we're not going to empower the sin of the past. We're not going to stay stuck in darkness. But we're going to have people that will walk alongside of you. Your story matters. And so whether you've been good all your life or whether you've been recklessly wild, there's a good chance that the mission statement of hell is still kill and destroy. And based on 54 years on this planet, I haven't really heard of any new sins lately. Satan's throwing the same old traps that he's been throwing for years. So, take a chance of letting somebody get to know you. So, when we start to do life, relationships are developed. Meaningful, deep relationships can be developed. Here's another thing. It encourages me to be authentic. Number three. Don't miss this one. Number three. It allows me to seek godly counsel. We all need and value and benefit from others at times insight with God. 
There's not one person I've ever met that has all the answers. There's certain things that I deal with at times where I'll lean into somebody else. Say, I need some wisdom here. Danny Joyner and his wife, Krista. I mean, Danny's 31 years old, Steve, your son. But Danny is a sharp, shrewd when it comes to accounting and financing. Danny, I need some insight here. Well, how can I at 54 lean into a dude at 31? Because I need wisdom at times. And this guy's got more wisdom in that area than I do. Age reveals how long you've been on the road, not how far down it you've traveled. You got me? There's a lot of people that say, well, I've been in the church for 30 years. Then why don't you know any more than you know? Why haven't you gotten any deeper? You've been tapping for 80, 80 minutes every Sunday and there's been no life change. But when we get together as a body, I lean into Steve Trailer. I've even leaned into Nick Slate. No, but I lean into Nick Slate at times. Rick is brilliant. We, we've got a lot of beautiful people. And we all come together. Listen to this verse out of uh, Proverbs. Fools are headstrong, and they do what they like. That's what Steve Joyner was saying. They're, they're, they're headstrong. I'm going to do what I want. Wise people seek and take advice. And I need some counsel here. How would you handle this situation? You've got people in your life that will tell you what you want to hear. But if you're blessed, you'll have some people in your life that tell you what you need to hear. But if you only gather in your life people that just say yes to whatever your whim is, you're doing yourself a disservice. So wise people realize that godly counsel is great. Dallas up here sharing, I'm like, I learn from being with this brother. I can learn from anybody. I learned from stinking Jesse going, this dude is not afraid. He's not going to back down. He's sharing the gospel in a gym. Look at that. We all benefit from one another when we come together, but there's godly counsel in it. Four, Jesus is exalted and the body of Christ comes alive because we were never intended to be long rangers and isolated. The, Jesus is exalted. When the members of the body come together and function together as a body, Ephesians Four, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, preserve the unity of the Spirit. John 17, high priestly prayer. I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. When oneness starts to happen under the Lordship of Jesus, he's exalted and the body flourishes. So we hurt together and we heal together. We struggle well together. Every week people walk into this room. And, and part of your narrative has been pain, has been suffering. Some people walk in here and you're going, you know what? There's been major abuse. There's been an abortion. There's been alcoholism. There's been adultery. There's been recklessness in my family. People have jacked me up and messed me over. Every one of us on any given week can go through the calamity of living in a fallen world. And so when you go through this, honestly, you walk in and you've got one of two choices, basically. You can either suppress it or address it. You, you can either suppress it saying, nobody's going to know anything about me. I ain't talking about all this junk that I've been going through. And what ends up happening is, is you suppress it. Satan gets a stronghold. Your soul begins to rot and you stay locked up. 
Or, or maybe you get to the place where you can say, I'm, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to address it and confess it. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. And, the, and there's people in this church just in the last year, one girl sat down with Sandra and said, I've never told anybody my story, but I want to tell you my real story. Not the posed story. Not the story that people just see. I want to tell you some of the deeper stuff. And then this girl shared it with my wife. And this is what I've seen. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. We confess. And I don't tell everybody. I'm not throwing pearl before swine and giving what's holy to a dog. Jesus said, use some discernment in, in, in this. But there's people we can connect with and say, I, I, I want to share you my story. And as soon as you start to do that, to confess, and you start to have people praying for you and people walking with you, it changes your narrative because you were meant to live in community. You were meant to experience connectivity. You were meant to walk in fellowship koinonia with other people. You were meant to be a part of a group that has a shared mission, who doesn't neglect hanging out with each other, of kindred spirit that can encourage each other day after day. And so I guarantee you there's people in this room, you've been beat up over the last weeks, over the last months, even over the last year. But you found healing when you're willing to share you. Now, who, 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 who are y'all? We are a Christ-centered fellowship, biblically-based, that come together and want to see people converted, people committed, people connected, and people contributing. 